and welcome back to the Drunken Transfer. Sorry we've been absent the last few weeks. This is our first record, I think, in about three weeks, and you join us for our inaugural World Cup edition. The World Cup starts in two days' time. You should be hearing this uh, Friday night. This is when we're putting it out. This is when we're recording it. And for once, I am not joined by the Berkshire boy making all the noise everywhere he goes. Jacob Southcline uh, is sadly missing tonight. We will miss him, but we have been, uh, we've got two uh, adept replacements for him. Uh, we have the fantasy Premier League correspondent himself, who's doing it terribly this season for Radio World Sport, Leon Carbis. You're inflating my ego. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And we've got a man riding high on my FPL coattails. I advised him to get Miguel Almiron and Luke Shaw in a few weeks back, and I've been kicking myself and not taking my own advice ever since. It's Max Medell. Hello, good to be here. I hope to bring the Jacob Southcline energy, be a little bit outrageous. I'm wearing a dressing gown for the occasion, and I didn't know this podcast existed until yesterday. Wow. Um, so I'm You're not supposed obviously to say that. <laughs> well put together to give an informed opinion and understand your audience and what they want. Max, you are such a great friend. This is the 17th episode of The Dragon Transfer, and I've and, mentioned it many times. And it's the first one I'll listen to. <laughs> You bastard. Um, yeah, so all new World Cup fantasy football format. This should take us through till the 26th of December. We won't be having any withdrawal symptoms um, from FPL. Or maybe we will, because, you know, we, we've been looking at the format for this World Cup edition. It's a bit different to FPL. How do you guys feel about it? Well, is it going to take us to the 26th of December just to explain the rules? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's myriad and complicated. Um, you're, you're not best pleased, Leon. I, I told you a little bit about it earlier on and you said, and I quote, I can't be asked with that. Yeah, to, to on a <laughs> podcast name, I'm very much an individual who relies on uh, his alcohol consumption to dictate FPL transfers at an obscenely late time bit on a Friday night, Saturday morning. So... The actual idea that this entails a level of active thinking, yeah. you know, some tactical insight and, uh, yeah, some sort of consistent participation is, for me, frankly, egregious. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll see how I do. Yeah, so like normal, um, we're going to have a budget of 100 mil to spend on a squad of 15 players. Um, but unlike FPL, the, having a deep squad in this game seems to be much more important because uh, whilst it's still played in match days, which is akin to what you'd have over a weekend, Saturday, Sunday, you'd lock in your team. Um, once one set of, uh, well, once a group, once the match day starts, basically, you're allowed to make substitutions at the end of that match day. Uh, I feel like this is not doing a, a particularly good job of explaining the format. But, um, for example, say Harry Kane has a poor game against Iran on Monday and you've got him in your team and he only gets two points and you've got Lionel Messi on your bench, you can then take Kane's two points out, sub him off, and pop Messi in, uh, and you'll lose that two points for good. You won't be able to bring uh, Kane back in. You won't be able to bring your players out once you've subbed them off. Um, but it essentially means that having a deep squad um, full of lots of good players is more advantageous than in FPL when you can pick a bench of, I don't know, 4.5 Sam Greenwood on the bench. <laughs> you know, Andreas eternally sitting there scoring a 10-pointer Every week, it's sort of going to be big up Danny Ward. Uh, big up Danny Ward, yeah, <laughs> Danny Ward, who's killed me. Oh, Jacob and I have been having this discussion actually because um, I've had Danny Ward in since the beginning. Two playing keepers, and at the start he was like, "You worried about 
about having two playing keepers. And I was like, no. And for the first nine or ten game weeks, it worked fine. I had Danny Ward on the bench and he wasn't scoring anything. And the two times I brought him in, he did get a clean sheet. But ever since that point, I've had Ward on the bench and he has been killing it. I think 11 points last week. And I was feeling so sore. <laughs> you see, this is this is the beauty of having a patriotic Welshman on board who was um, sort of perhaps illogically or perhaps geniusly backed Danny Ward for the past few weeks. Have you had Ward in your team? I've reaped, I've reaped the benefits. He started for me. I, I did, I was, you know, I was. I did fall victim to the trend that most fantasy yeah. football managers had for the early weeks of him being on my bench. Um, well, so the early weeks of his scoring spree, rather, because obviously they, they did, he did shocking me for the first yeah, half of the season so far. Yeah. yeah, but since he's been sort of racking in the points, I've actually benefited from a fit, fit, few of those. That so, is mental. Yeah. I'm excited I know, to see I that you've got him in the actual... You're shaking <laughs> your head, Max. <laughs> you haven't actually backed Danny Ward. You've had Kepperman and Kepper's been injured no, or no. suspended and you've taken him out to put Danny Ward in because he's on your bench. Well, yeah, no. And like... he just happens to have been really good and you've got <laughs> lucky like a jammy bastard. You haven't got those 11 points from Danny Ward. I think I'd be two points behind you, but now you've got a bit of a lead. Are you inferring that FPL has got anything else to do with other than luck? <laughs> the age-old debate rages on. Um, so yeah, that's the, that's sort of the, the, the first set of rules, really, with regards to the substitutes. Um, once um, we're out of the groups and teams start getting eliminated, um, the amount of free transfers will have will increase. The amount of players that you can put into your team from uh, a certain nation will increase at the time being, you know, once a match day's ended, two free transfers and still a maximum of three players. Um, but yeah, the, the, I, I don't know how I feel about the, the, the bench thing. The, the, the strategy sort of kind of like being that you really do have to keep your eye on the ball. Um, and that is also applicable for the captain as well, because you can you can change a captain every day. Um, so it sort of means if, when we're starting, we might as well just captain a Qatari or an Ecuadorian because they play on the first day, which is something you would never see happening in FPL. And I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, I mean, Jacob, I mean, it will have more to talk about this when he comes on the next podcast, but he hates this format. It's what it was like for the Euros last year. It's what it's like in the Champions League fantasy football game as well. And it does sort of kind of mean that with the captaincy, you don't really have to make a particularly informed judgment at the start. You can sort of just have whoever you want and then you can change if it goes wrong. Um, but yes, let's go on to the scoring system very quickly because there's some slight differences there as well. By the looks of things, and it's not too much of a surprise because FIFA seem to be incompetent at everything they do, they've not really been very clear on the scoring system and apparently this evening they're meant to be giving updates on how it works. But apparently players only get one point for 60 minutes or more on the pitch as opposed to two, which seems silly because substitutes who do come on but don't do anything will be scoring nothing alongside substitutes who don't come on and obviously, of course, do nothing. It makes no sense. I don't get it. Um, but yes, assists are still plus three. Yellow's minus one. Red's minus two. Own goal's minus two. Very standard metric. Um, but for all players, winning and conceding penalties are also part of the game now as well. So you get a plus two for winning ones and a minus one for conceding ones. And I think that's probably been popped into the game because World Cups are particularly heavy on the amount of penalties awarded. So Bruno Fernandes' owners are yeah. jumping with delight <laughs> as he jumps himself to yeah. another penalty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bruno's going to be, yeah, Bruno's going to be getting uh, yeah. quite a few points. The snipers probably. will be out and he's uh, jumping on the floor yeah. and uh, rewarding <laughs> numerous fancy owners. So. But has he made it into any of our squads? 
Well, yeah, that I, I, I'm intrigued to see. I, I mean, I, I'm intrigued to see what you guys make about the price points as well, because I think the midfielders is a really interesting one this year. You've got Kevin De Bruyne at 11.5. No, I think 11 mil, sorry. And then you jump down to Bruno on 9.5. And it's really, it, it's quite disparate. And I think that it probably speaks to a lack of midfield options. Um, yet keepers also get plus three for saving a pen. Defender points, if they score a goal, are plus seven as opposed to plus six. And if midfielders score, they'll be getting the same amount of points as a striker for scoring, which is just plus five across the board. So I, it, it's odd, really. There seems to be quite a few striking options this year. And I don't know what you guys are feeling, but I kind of think that's the place to invest the money i was dumbfounded that i couldn't select Kiefer more three times so uh, <laughs> that was my issue with the games yeah, i am I, if you put Kiefer more in your lineup leon i'm gonna absolutely uh, <laughs> piss myself laughing <laughs> can we return to this at about approximately nine o'clock 20 past nine on monday night please yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah um in terms of the other stuff uh Forwards get a plus one for every two shots on target, and midfielders also have a couple of interesting metrics which have been introduced as well. They get plus one for every three tackles, and they also get plus one for every two key passes. Sorry, did you say forwards? No, yeah. midfielders. Oh, midfielders, sorry. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so mid midfielders, if they make three tackles, they get a plus one, which okay. is something that we've seen in um, the Champions League fantasy game. And I think it's an initiative um, to be able to get players like N'Golo Kante, mm. for example, who ordinarily wouldn't be viewed as a particularly attractive fantasy footballing asset at all. I think it's to try and get some of those defensive players. Except who... when he's playing Leicester. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it's, it's, I think it's an initiative to get those sorts of players, you know, like, uh, uh, the ability to get a decent point source. So Casemiro, for example, Example, yeah. he's six million. You know, he's someone who plays quite progressively and also is quite tough tackling. You know, it could be more of an option, certainly more of an option than he would be in in, in FPL um, uh, terms as well. I think it's an exciting trend. It's a development more to a kind of proper statistics-driven fantasy football where it's not just goals and assists. You've got more interesting stuff coming together. I can't wait for like the second assist or kind of like progressive carries and like <laughs> when these things start coming into the game and you start getting like. Your big dribbly boys come in there getting points for how many dribbles they <laughs> get. Maximum. And I think there should be points for um, like professional fouls where it's kind of like you get a yellow card for taking someone down who's about to get a goal. I'm it's a subjective judgment, but they're the players I want in my team. I want like 10 points if they get a red card, but they stop a goal on the line with their hands. Oh, great. So Luis Suarez is in your squad then? Oh, yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Conversely, Thierry Henry in the attacking sense. <laughs> well, I can't wait for the B-Max with Ukraine-Ghana. It's going to be the match of the tournament. Uruguay-Ghana? Uruguay, yes. U Uruguay. Ukraine-Ghana yeah, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine yeah. were gladly yeah. beaten by Wales in their playoff yeah. Yeah. Wales, yeah. And, and, and Wales were seen to be bastards to the world. Yeah. If um, Finn hasn't edited that to make me correct and not sound ignorant, then he dislikes me. <laughs> um, let's talk very briefly before we're going to go on to who we think are going to do well at the World Cup. Uh, the chips that you can use, wild cards obviously we know about, everyone um, gets uh, one what, that they can use at any point. There's also a free one that you get after the groups um, finish and you start going into teams getting eliminated. So I, I think in terms of a good strategy to when to use it, my advice out of the gate is to use it in that second half of the fantasy when, when teams do start getting eliminated because let's say you bank 
uh, you know, sort of a lot of, uh, you know, sort of you invest a lot in France, for example, to go win, and then you get all of their assets knocked out. You're gonna have to do a massive recce, and it was something that I managed to completely fudge on the Euro Fantasy last year, where I played my wild card in the group games, and then we got into the knockout rounds, and I had a huge lead. I was doing really well, but then I, about eleven of my fifteen players got eliminated, and I was clinging on. I had to take such a big point hit to stay in the game. It was dreadful. Um, the 12th man uh, also allows you to select one extra player to score for your team on your match day. So you have to pick that person at the start um, and then you can't captain him, he can't be subbed and he will basically just be guaranteed to score points. Again, another chip which is probably best saved towards the end of the competition, maybe for a final, something like Ooh. that because it kind of will allow you, I mean, you'll know which team's going to be playing. And the, the, the weird thing again about this World Cup fantasy game is that... Um, you can essentially change your team right up before they start. So obviously with FPL, we have an hour and a half window before the game day starts. So, you know, we have to predict who's going to be in the lineup. We have to look for leaks. You know, you have people recently getting screwed with Holland and Foden not playing. That isn't the case here. You can basically see the lineups and then make your own changes, which again, benefits those people who are absolute, absolute FPL nuts like me, who's just going to be looking at it all the time. Um, and Power Captain's the last one. Power Captain allows you to get double points for whichever player scores highest in your squad. And that's probably better to be used in the early parts of the uh, game, you'd think, because you're going to have the likes of Benzema and Mbappe playing Australia in their first games. So you could benefit from the decent players playing against the shit players. Does it all make sense? I, I don't accept that the Australians are shit. I think they're just upside down. <laughs> they're just upside down, yeah, of course. Yeah. I've got to play on my hand. It's kind of when you're running around on your hands the whole time. It's it's a different game. Yeah. Completely. I this exposes my profound lack of knowledge um, regarding other teams other than Wales at the World Cup, but I did not realise France were playing Australia well, in the first game. game. And now I am dramatically <laughs> reassessing Cleo, my options. You're the FPL, you're the FPL strategist for Radio World Sport. What's going on? Well, uh, I think I need to qualify just for the purpose of clarity <laughs> that it's the Welsh language equivalent of Radio Wales or Radio Cumbria. <laughs> and also, I never profess to be a strategist expert. or expert or any other synonyms. So you can kanje. It was just the title that was bestowed on me I'm gonna and be I happen to accept. To I'm going to be so, holding you to it, Leon, just because hey, if you do bad. Just, just, just for context of the listeners, I was, um, what, 132,000 overall last season oh. in FPL. So, I mean, that's a little flex there. But, um, Higher than I've ever finished. Uh, uh, and I've got a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> Checks on <laughs> <laughs> All right, chaps. Um, let's actually go into some of the footballing stuff then, as opposed to just running through the rules so we know what to do. Um, who are your tips for the tournament? Who do you think is going to do well? What teams are you focusing on in your squads? I like Max start. <laughs> you just want me to. Um, so, the thing that's getting me most, Casper Michael is still, he's not in the game. He is, mate. He's just been put in. Oh, he wasn't in the game when I did this last night. <laughs> he's 5-0. Uh, the updated it today. Oh, that's fantastic then. That's uh, quick. I've got Costa on the bench. The um, So Diego Costa, the, the Portuguese the, the keeper. The Portuguese keeper, but he's gone. He's gone. I'm bringing in Michael and making him my number one because the Danes are um, excellent defenders. They don't concede any goals. And also, Casper Michael has good daddy vibes. And that's what you want. He's got loads of caps. He wraps his arm around you. He screams a lot. He makes a big thing for himself. And I think you get points for uh, how blonde the players are. 
if I'm right in thinking, in which case yeah. all the Danes in my squad's going to be I, really I think that is a new metric, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, Kasper Dolberg will be there as well then, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, on, on the keeping front, um, having looked through some of it, I think Schmeichel's a really good shout. He's sadly, he's one that I'm looking at. I, I just for full disclaimer, I'm, I'm ENRing so much on my team at the moment. I haven't made a, a complete decision, but Schmeichel's probably one of the top three that I'm thinking of. You've got, I think, four, six million pound keepers in the game. You've got Allison, uh, Courtois, Neuer and Lloris. Obviously, they're all guaranteed starters, uh, but it kind of feels to me like there are cheaper alternatives out there who are also going to start and also have just as big a chance of getting a clean sheet. I think Kasper yeah. Schmeichel's one of them. I yeah, and also um, Pasfer, um, if I'm saying that correctly, the yes. uh, Netherlands keeper who's like 39 and only made his first team like international <laughs> debut like last year. He's now there. Um, number one, he looks really good. And they've got a really tight defence and they've got a really easy group. Yeah, the, 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 I think the lowest FIFA yeah. ranking coefficient is Group A and also Senegal have had Sadio Mane rolled out as of yesterday yeah. so and also they're a very defensive team they like don't score a lot of goals they don't concede a lot either like, I think Mendy wouldn't actually be a terrible shouting goal if you were going to go for Senegal he's too much money he's 5.5 uh, so th- that, that would be but, go on Clean. what you well, said I was just saying as a Chelsea supporter I'm compelled to enforce um, <laughs> Max's point and um, yeah and sing the praises of Edouard Mendy but uh, well although he's not starting at the moment for Chelsea I know which is an egregious decision and, do you uh, think you think he should be ahead of Kepa well look I mean I think the aspect of Kepa well sort of a footballing profile the only thing that Kepa I think is superior to Edouard Mendy at is distribution and I yeah. guess in terms of sort of you know, playing from the back, progressive play, etc. All those other sort of jargon terms are sort of supposed to um, represent um, a shift in uh, footballing mentality. I guess you could say probably Kappa suits Potter's uh, philosophy better. But in terms of just the sheer basics, the fundamentals of a goalkeeper, as in preventing goals, then goodness me, just only look at the string of saves that Edouard Mendy made, um, you know, during yeah. our Champions League winning well, um, and, season. And, yeah. I, and I think that this is the thing with Mendy is, um, yes, he doesn't have a great opening game against the Netherlands, although Qatar and Ecuador um, moving forward, very attractive fixtures. Um, th- with the exception of Koulibaly, obviously also a Chelsea player, you do have to question the defence that's going to sit in front of him. Um, however, shot-stopping ability with Mendy, he's fab, and he is likely to rack up those save points. You get uh, plus one for every three saves made. The only thing with keepers this year, which in terms of the new um, metric rules that we've got for um, the, the FIFA World Cup, is that, um, of course, in FBL terms, you, uh, you get minus one for every two goals conceded. And that happens when you concede the second goal and the fourth goal. Uh, for this, it's slightly different. You get minus one once you've conceded the second goal, and then another minus one once you've conceded the third, and then another will come the fourth, and then another come the fifth. So I, my own keeper strategy for this tournament, I think, is to try and pick somebody playing for a big team, like an Argentina, like a Portugal, like a team that's... You know, like more, a Brazil, like a Brazil, yeah. Like, Alison's in my team. Is Alison in your team? <laughs> See, that's interesting. That's, that's a bad shout. Oh, well, he, he's going to be the starting keeper. But for me, six mil is too much to invest when there are. I mean, I'm going to. I'm going to full disclaimer now. The the keeper who I'm most likely to pick in my team is Emmy Martinez for Argentina. Great group: Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Poland. Argentina have got defence for the first time in 20 years. Uh, Lisandro Martinez has obviously been brilliant. I wouldn't pick him. He's not a great fantasy asset, but he's probably going to protect Martinez's goal. He's also a shot stopper, and he's just that 0.5 mil less expensive. So I do think Allison is a, a shout. I just think maybe you can distribute your funds better elsewhere. But hey, I don't know. Hey. 
We'll find out, I guess. But yeah, I think I do have to preface that. Well, in retrospect, so that's a complete contradiction. But I do have to qualify that um, this team is still in its kind of fluid stage. Nothing yeah. is fixed. Nothing is permanent in terms of its choices. But owing to my um, inherent sense of laziness, I probably won't tinker with this too much. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's in the laps of the gods and we'll see how it goes in what, the first game you, week. What do you think is a bad pick, Max? Um, so I'm not convinced by Alisson. Firstly, I've used too much money. I think you can get a keeper who's going to be just as reliable for less money and that money is more valuable spent up top on your strikers. Your attacking players are going to bring in more points. Then I think he's going to concede goals. Brazil are going to concede goals. They are a counter-attacking team primarily. They don't control and dominate the ball in the way a team like Spain does or even Germany who have that like dynamic. They've got the dynamism and they can break on teams. Brazil score a lot of goals. They're a very good team, but they are always open and they have lots of like 4-1 games against not particularly good teams, but they still concede a goal in a game. And I just don't see Brazil keeping many clean sheets. I don't think they'll concede a load of goals, but I don't think they're going to have nil-nil games. Maybe I should have qualified the sort of the parameters which um, sort of I set to decide um, who would be my starting goalkeeper was has this person scored a last-minute goal against West Bromwich Albion in the Premier League? You do and if the points. answer was no, then they weren't in my team. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. In, in, I settled in FBL, for Alisson. In FBL, yeah. he just got plus six points for that. If he were to do that again, he'd get plus nine points. Well, there we go, then. It's insane. There we go. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows. I mean, like... The bookmakers have suspended <laughs> markets on Alisson scoring a goal in the World Cup. The opener, I think, isn't it's, it? Uh, yeah. well, it's, yeah. You know, it's that nailed on, so, um, um, I think, yeah. I think there's a, there's a slight point there um, that you've got, Max, in that Brazil have a, have a slightly more difficult group. Serbia, I think, and Switzerland, um, who are no slouches. You know, Mitrovic has been in great form this season for Serbia. We've seen how good Switzerland can be at previous tournaments. Uh, yeah, um, and, uh, you know, Cameroon, uh, you know... Uh, also did decent at the African Cup of Nations, probably will provide um, less resistance, in my opinion. Um, but it, it's an interesting um, one there. I think the big nose for me, um, Wojciech Szczesny. Um, I, I think Poland are always um, leaky, and whilst he's a big name, I probably wouldn't pick him. Edison is 5.5. Unless Alisson gets an injury, he isn't going to play, so it's not worth your investment. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it's the, five, it's the 5 million, 5.5 bracket. I think less than that, um, you're starting to get um, keepers from teams who are going to maybe start leaking a lot of goals but Kasper Schmeichel uh, Diogo Costa for Portugal who I know that you've mentioned already Max um, another one I want to mention is Lavakovic for Croatia and he's got his first two games um, uh, Morocco and Canada he's They're under come one in the group. what Croatia yes absolutely. no it's Canada yes no I, I Ca can't Ca abide Canada with got that. a green behind yes. the ears but they've got passion uh, they've got uh, Jordan Davis or Davis uh, Alfonso Davis yeah, yeah no 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 the striker oh yeah um, uh, Jordan Jonathan David. David Jonathan David yeah, yeah Jonathan David yeah. Yeah. and, and Ike Ugbo uh, the ex-Chelsea yeah. uh, <laughs> striker obviously he's gonna dropping um, that Chelsea yeah, yeah. of course he's gonna inspire his yeah. country to uh, great success yeah. I'm just convinced Croatia mm -hmm. are gonna be the one team that are kind of a big name who are gonna completely so they're your, they're your, they're your flops at the tournament are they they are because Belgium are gonna destroy them Morocco have actually got something about Morocco have them. got a decent side, yeah. Uh, Did anyone see Hakim Ziyech's goal? Um, was it last night? Uh, no, I missed it. Oh, I can see it's about 60 yards. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, I've missed that entirely. Uh, 
and Canada have got one of the better kits at the tournament. Um, and I think that will <laughs> Which be obviously knows decisive. Yeah. And like, they also have maple syrup. And I come here for the intellectual text. Yeah, yeah, I love that, Max. You, you, you're backing them for the kit and the cuisine. Um, yeah, no, I, I like Canada. I think they're great. I do think that um, Croatia with that midfield of Brozovic... Uh, with Modric and Kovacic, I think will destroy them. How dare you make a legitimate point? <laughs> Josko Vardio, actually, when we come to the defenders, is only four million as well. He'd be another one I'd back. Uh, yeah, Livakovic, you were watching. See, I think he could be. I think he could be the differential keeper that people go with here. Um, if and you're looking, ex- it's the same price as Michael, and he's more expensive than Pasper. Yeah, well, no, that's fair. Passfood is another really good, another really good and interesting shout. The other thing I would say for the keepers before we move on to defenders is that um, you want to try and pick two playing keepers because obviously um, we're going to have to be switching in and out. My personal suggestion, and I think he's maybe the seventh or eighth um, most owned keeper on the game, is Saad Al Sheeb. Um, he is Qatar's keeper. Uh, he's four million. He's going to start. Uh, if he doesn't start, they've got another four million keeper who's the backup, but we'll be able to see that before the Ecuador game anyway, so we can make the transfers up until then. I think it would make sense to pick the keeper that you want and then pick the Qatari backup keeper. Oh, pick the, the, the Qatari keeper as your backup. Uh, again, I've gone rogue here, and um, I'm you, going to you've gone contradict your wisdom. Yeah, go on. Danny, Danny, Danny Ward. Ward! Danny, Danny Ward! Ward. Yeah, I'll be... Interestingly, I, I think Rob Page has sort of openly declared he still doesn't know who all his number one is going to be in this tournament. Yeah. But I just think the fact that Danny Ward's playing regularly, the fact that if I'm not mistaken, he has the joint highest amount of clean sheets in the Premier League so far this season. That is crazy if that's, that is true. I, I, I think it might be. Wow. I genuinely think it might be. Considering how badly he started. It, it, precisely, this is the thing. The upturn has been so dramatic. Um, Do you think he'll start game one against USA? Uh, yeah, I think I think he has to. I think he has to. And irrespective of how good Wayne yeah. Hennessy performed, um, particularly if, if memory serves that Austria game, um, and uh, you know, and, and throughout his tenure, really, as a, as as well as his number one. But I, I I just think that you know the fact that Danny Ward's playing consistently at a high level um, will will sway um, sort of Rob Page's thinking, particularly when obviously Wayne Hennessy's back up for Forest. Um, and obviously Danny Ward's also started um, the first game against Slovakia in um, Euro 2016 and I remember being I remember being astonished that day because of course at the time Danny Ward was um, uh, was a backup goalkeeper for Liverpool and it was owing also to injury to Wayne Hennessy was the fact that Hennessy didn't start but um, I, I think you have to go for momentum I think you have to go for form and you know aside from losing 4-0 to Denmark in um, the last year, it was an aside from perhaps the 3-2 defeat to um, the Netherlands during the Nations League. We are quite resilient defensively. I think a lot of our success owes to sort of that defensive foundation of which, obviously, you know, irrespective of the fact that you look on paper, we don't concede too many goals. Mm -hmm. I reckon if you really delve through the stats, you would see a high number of goalkeeper saves. It seems to be part and parcel of the way we play. So... I mean, in terms of a playing goalkeeper, I, I, I would strongly recommend and only 0.5 million more expensive than the, the, the goalkeepers you just mentioned. I, I don't think Danny Ward would be a, a bad shout, in all honesty. Yeah, let's move on to defenders then as well. Um, so uh, defenders, 6 million, uh, once again, is the, the cap. It's the top of the range that you can get. And I do think, um, whilst I, I don't believe that maybe the keepers are necessarily worth that 6 million investment, I think that there are some really interesting premium defenders. Uh, I don't know about you, chaps. Uh, the number one 
um, from my perspective, and I think for a lot of people going to be looking at it, is Denzel Dumfries. Yes, Ooh. he's in my team. We've, we've we've been talking about how well the Dutch have been doing defensively. Uh, so we'll want how how well, you know the, the decent I, you know the decent um, potential of Dutch defensive returns. Dumfries has a really high attacking output, uh, and he was a points magnet in the Euros fantasy last year as well. He could similarly be quite a big scorer here. You said all Max. Um, I, I hadn't thought about it at all, but now you say all that, I'm thinking maybe I should put him in the team, maybe replace someone like Pavard, who I've got in there because he's kind of defensively solid, relatively cheap, and might be playing right back, might get some points, got a good head on him, might get some headers, but maybe Dumfries comes in for someone like that. If well, I, I think I if, if, that, if you don't end up going for pass there, I think Dumfries is another potential you know, Dutch asset to have in yeah. his stead could be, um, and you know, also you know, sort of from an attacking perspective, he does get forward a lot. Uh, Cancelo is yeah. by far and away the most selected defender uh, this year at forty-five percent um, owned in the game. Um, unsurprising, really, given he's a, he's a bit of an FPL mainstay, uh, and I think he's also made attractive, more attractive by uncertainty surrounding who the other fullback is going to be. So, if you wanted to go for a cheaper Portuguese defender, you've got Dallo, Nuno Mendes. Only one of them is going to be able to start. Have either of you guys gone Cancelo at all? I have. And I, all, all, I had Nuno Mendes in there up until last night when I did um, changes and I brought in Pavard because I wanted to bring the price down. I needed that 0.5 million elsewhere. Uh, but I'm curious, have you guys gone three or four centre-backs or defenders? Well, so for me, because of the way that the it's structured this year, I, I don't think you have to go for a formation. I think you go, um, I think the strategy is when you pick your squad is the players you put in your starting 11 are the players who are playing first. You pay the players, you put the players on the bench whose games come last in the match day. And then if you have poor performances in your team from those players who are playing first, you can then sub them off for those players who played last in the match day. Have either of you thought about that or is that going to be end up paying difference to your team? Yeah, and it, it might dramatically change the composition of my yeah. team. Um, <laughs> I, I was just going to remark that Max is living in sort of nostalgic delight bringing Pavard in considering his worldie at the 2018 World Cup. Mm, um, uh, I'm convinced Against Argentina. So. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he scores goals for... Um, yeah, no, no, yeah, I'm not delegitimizing the merit of the selection. I have a lot of nostalgia in my <laughs> side. Um, um, as a minor spoiler alert, Eden Hazard almost made it into the team. That is crazy. Uh, because the midfield choices were just dire, and I was like, well, yeah. maybe he'll do something because he's probably going to start if he's fit and if he can get through a match. And they're going to be good. I, I, you know, I want I want to talk a little bit about some of the, the cheaper price yeah, defenders later. Yeah. But spoiler: currently, Pavard is also in my team. Um, I think that he's a cheap way into that France defense. Yeah, well, what, what um, are what are both of your backlines? Yeah, oh, when are we doing these team reveals? Because I'm I'm scratching at the bit to. Uh, uh, well, I mean, I tell you what, we, can, we, we let's go. Let's why don't we go through it as we're talking about the different positions? Okay. And um, you can if if one of you guys wants to reveal which defenders you've got. Uh, now, then, you know, sort of, we can talk a little bit about the reasoning why. I'll start, and this will give a little bit of a sort of an insight, a little giveaway into the logic that has dictated um, <laughs> my selection. So, yeah, just to remind listeners, Alison's my starting goalkeeper, Danny yeah. Ward is on my bench. And then, in terms of defenders, I have Dumfries, I've heeded your wisdom there, Finn. Yeah. Thiago Silva. Oh, six mil is expensive, man. That is expensive for someone who doesn't have a particularly high attacking output. Andreas Christensen. Oh, 
Christensen I quite like, actually. How much is Christensen? Five million. Okay, yeah. I mean, different centre-backs. Oh, hang on. Dumfries has been linked to Chelsea, and then Thiago Silva is at Chelsea, and then Andreas Christensen was previously at Chelsea. So can you guess my last defender? <laughs> oh, um... <laughs> uh, can I? Can I've I, can I, can I, can I? Uh, Is it Kaladu Koulibaly? Close, it's but no. Better. No. <laughs> Chelsea legend John Terry uh, <laughs> think think longevity think, yes it is indeed I have previously said on this podcast to much chagrin from Jacob that I think Cesar Azpilicueta was one of the Premier League's greatest right backs of all time but he is and also, and also wow and like, also, one of the best defenders okay. listen to that Jacob hear it now he's got at the Euros <laughs> he's got at the Euros Christensen scored at the Euros. That absolute thunderbolt, if people recall. I do, yeah. It was a yeah. final group You don't get any points if people scored in the Euros. No, no, they'll score now. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, a, it's a sure-fired thing. And um, yeah, Thiago Silva, although he has yet to score this season, yeah. has been a, a, a huge threat in I think... attacking terms for Chelsea. So yeah, um, that was my logic there. Okay, I think with Marquinhos at 5.5, who is who scores more than Thiago Silva, and with Alexandro at five and uh, Danny Alves at 4.5, I think you can get cheaper Brazilians in there and invest that money elsewhere. That would be my advice, but you're, you're not, you're, you're no. shaking your head. No. <laughs> Are they Thiago Silva? No. So I'm going to go with Thiago Silva. It's that simple. I'm sorry. Who have you got on your bench, defender-wise? Um, Roman Saiz. Okay, yeah, interesting. Which also, yeah. from not last season, but the season prior, was a sort of an FPL god as well. He was, he did really well. He was a really, really cheap price asset. And of course, left Wolves on a free transfer yeah, at the end of last season. A bucket ton of points. He did, yeah, he was great, Saiz. I like Saiz a lot, and I actually think Saiz as a cut price option, I think 4.5 mil 4.5 from, indeed. Uh, is, 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 a, is a decent shout. Well, who have you gone for, Max? Uh, so, Jean Cantelo, uh, Ma. Big money pick. Yeah. Then Joaquin Mailer. Um, He's in my team as well, Max. We've got a yeah. very, very similar defence. 4.5 mil, and he was brilliant in the Euros for he's Denmark. So, um, he's basically a winger. Yeah. Uh, in the way they play, he's their main creative out ball. Yeah. It's like, he's running down the line, putting those balls in the middle. He's going to get assists. Yeah. He's cheap. He's going to be unreasonably really, really cheap at 4.5. Tight defence. Um, then I have uh, Benjamin Pavard, as I mentioned before. Yeah. Then my one English boy is Trippier, and I think he's going to be taking free kicks. Max, have you been be reading my corners. mind? <laughs> it's um, in mine as well. <laughs> oh, you see, great minds think alike. Brilliant. And then uh, my backup defender is uh, Alex Telles. Uh, yeah. He's 4.5. I think he's going to start. And... With the way Brazil are playing, the amount of attacking talents, he might just inadvertently get a assist by hitting his knee. I don't think he's a very good player, mm. but I think he'll play and I think he'll get points. Oh, but the same logic as Trippier. I, I can't pretend to have sort of insightful uh, knowledge of um, yeah. Brazil's set piece tactics, but you know, I think that was one of the, the sort of the, the 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 primary reasons that he was brought to Manchester United, United was his attacking contributions. Yes. And that was predominantly owning to his record at um, free kicks. Porto at Porto, yeah. yeah. So I mean, if Tellez, a, if Tellez plays, he'll probably be on. Yeah, exactly. That's precisely, yeah. that's precisely what I was well, saying. Well, I know, mean, so. Tellez or Sandro, I mean, it's going to. I think that one is. It a wait, be I think it's a wait and see, uh, but I think that he, if he does play, he's a very, very, very good pick. Uh, Kieran Trippier, likewise, set pieces, five million. He's going to start for England. He's been fantastic this season. This is going to be so painful when he gets a red card. Yeah. (laughs) I think if you're going to pick any English asset... Or he scores an own goal against Wales. Oh, goodness me. (laughs) My top's off if that's happening. Um, I will be there. (laughs) 
In terms of other options that we've got, for me, and I, I was going to mention this, I did have Thiago Silva down as overpriced for me at six. I think Lisandro Martinez falls into that category as well. I think there's other cheaper, potentially more lucrative ways of making your way into Argentina's back line. We don't know whether they're going to start Nicola Tagliafico or Marcos Acuna at left back, but one's 5 million, one's 4.5 million, and both are attacking. And I think both will be good shouts. Um, Rudiger is probably the only 5.5 mil defender that truly interests me. He's an attacking centre-back, um, and I think other options in that price category are either overpriced or not guaranteed to start or there's other cheaper ways into the teams um a decent six mil option actually i think and i don't know if either of you guys have considered this is thomas munier for me six million he always he has a knack for getting an attacking output at a major international tournament thomas munier um he i think has scored his last two um considered at all or? if he was five mil i'd consider him yeah so, a little over at six you think i think i probably agree um so, yeah, so, uh, and then you've got Purvis Estepinian against Qatar, 4.5 mil for Ecuador, I think is a, a really, really interesting low price one. Matty Cash at 4 mil, we're looking at some of the Premier League options here as well. That could be an interesting shout. Um, uh, the one that I have gone with, who for me is um, probably the most unreasonably cheap defender in this game, uh, is Uruguay's uh, Ronald Araujo, um, who is the Barcelona centre back uh, who also can play right back. What do you think his price is? 4.5. 3.5 million. And he starts, does he? And but he's, he's a man. And he starts. Oh, goodness me, about that. That's changed the outlook of my team. Uruguay have uh, a decent defence anyway. You know, they've had um, Godin and um, Jose Maria Jimenez um, for years, who's always been fantastic. Uh, they've got Fernando Muslera in goal, um, also great. Guillermo Varela sometimes plays it right back. Uh, Araujo is almost definitely going to start. If he does, at 3.5 million, he just seems to me to be too cheap to ignore and so he's he's definitely in my team the last ones i want to mention is one of the french hernandez's you've got teo or lucas uh, lucas is 5.5 teo hernandez who has a better attacking output is five mil and a better player and a better player but lucas hernandez seems to be the one that has the edge on him at the moment in getting into that france team i don't um, think you want to pick any french defenders the defense is so up in the air they've got so many good players and i just don't know who they're going to start i said that haven't Pick Bavard. He will start, but yeah, <laughs> um, I, just, I don't. I don't trust uh, Deschamps to pick a consistent defense, and I don't think he's figured out what his best defense is. Well, I think I think the, I think the midfield is a worry as well. With no Pogba for this tournament, no Kante for this tournament. Um, I think Tukamakani's bound to start. Um, yeah, it has to be yeah. and Camavinga as well. You'd have yeah. thought the two Real Madrid lads. Um, yeah. But but I think they are uh, the French at the moment are a wait and see for me yeah. in first world defense and attack. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my, my defenders, uh, Mela, Trippier, Marquinhos, Pavard and Ronald Araujo. That are my picks. Should we move on to the midfield? Why not? Um, the midfield is an interesting one. I do think there's a real dearth in attacking picks here. Um, a great many players who would ordinarily be categorised as midfielders in FPL here are named as forwards. Um, so as we've mentioned previously, De Bruyne, 11 million. Your next most expensive players are Sane and Bruno Fernandes. The big question I want to ask the pair of you, first of all, De Bruyne, 11 mil, worth it or not? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Good, that sorts that out. <laughs> Definitive. Yeah, okay, uh, why? Have you watched him play? <laughs> <laughs> but do, do you think he is? Do you think well, is, is he a must-have? I think is, it owes to what Max was saying earlier about him pondering whether Eden Hazard is the pick to have or not. I mean, you know, you're talking to a Chelsea supporter here, so I will be forever grateful <laughs> and forever in love with Eden Hazard. But 
has his talents waned? Yes. Does he still being is he still entrusted by Roberto Martinez? Yes, he, he is. But I think this might be the tournament that we see De Bruyne as sort of the indisputed talismanic figure of that yeah. Belgian team, as opposed to Hazard. Because you think about Hazard's performance against Brazil, for example, the last World Cup. You know, he was hugely, hugely influential. You know, he has been that person to carry that team on his shoulders. But you just look at what De Bruyne has done in the years since, and particularly you know since Hazard's moved to Real Madrid and his time there's been sort of thwarted by injuries and De Bruyne has just done incredible things on both an individual and sort of a a collective team level I think this is the tournament that he comes into his own Um, particularly you look at his fixtures as well you know what um, good group good group good group you know Canada first game is that Morocco second game you know it's Croatia final one. I mean, it's yeah, favourable. It, it is favourable. If you, if you want to transfer some of the Belgian players out, you know, week three, you'd argue. I know Max thinks otherwise, but where they've got the most tricky opponents, and maybe those first two group games, like you say, uh, are the ones to focus on. I have to question um, whether Eden Hazard uh, is going to start. To be honest with you, because you know, we you look at the options that Belgium have got in attack, and I think that there is a real case to be made at the moment, especially given how informed he is for Leandro Trossard. He's on my bench. I refer you to Max. <laughs> okay, Leandro Trossard taking his place, and and, and I think that that would be the the, the the wise move if you and Martinez. I think Trossard is um, uh, potentially a more all round player. So you've gone for Trossard, have you, Max? Yeah, he's on my bench. Uh, I have kind of my bench is made up of what I think are. Cheap, high-impact players. Okay. So, to go from my bench, it's Passiva, the um, goalkeeper for the Netherlands, Trossard for Denmark, um, De Paul, I can't remember what Rodrigo, 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 Rodrigo for Argentina. For okay. Argentina. I think he's going to start with the interviews in midfield. Yeah, Leandro players as well, yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to get in there as a more attacking player. He's 5 million. I think he'll play for the play. He's, he's cheap I won't if he plays. He's cheap. Uh, and then Tellez at uh, Left back. This is my bench philosophy. So I chose my first eleven, and then I chose my bench for what I had less, and slowly made people cheaper and cheaper in the first team. Well, I, I think that I think that DePaul and Trossard are both very good. I mean, I've 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 also highlighted them on my notes as to to focus on, and I've had Trossard up until today. He's been in every single version um, of of the drafts that I've been making. I think that he's a great shout. DePaul as well, um, and I think that's what you sort of kind of got to have to do. And I think what with these midfielders not looking um, as lucrative as maybe some of the forward options, I think um, going for cheaper shouts, you know, maybe could be the ones. Have you got any like that in yours as well, Cleon? Not particularly. Uh, I just wanted to comment quickly about the Eden Hazard and yes. Trossard situation that owing to sort of Martinez's tenure as Belgian manager, I cannot see any situation in which he starts Trossard over Hazard. I generally think Eden Hazard's nailed on to start. But Irri- form, man. I- yeah, irrespective of that, irrespective of the lack of minutes, irrespective of his Harry Maguire situation, is it? Yeah, I, I generally, yeah, I think that's probably the best comparison you can make. I, I sure. think Hazard's nailed on to start. Um, the in- injuries is of course the other question, but yeah, it, 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 if fit, if you know, fit, if fit, he starts. I, I, firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like Max, I've gone Kevin De Bruyne in midfield. Yes, and then I've gone Alexis McAllister. Um, well, now McAllister is seven million, um, and you know that is a really interesting decision because he, I don't think, is guaranteed. No, he's not. But I did see that he started Argentina's last match. He did, and he has a knack. Well, not a you know he's not a hugely consistent scorer, but he, he just seems to. I love Alexis McAllister. And like I told you earlier, it's like all vibes, no logic. That's what's dictating my team at the moment. <laughs> it's a delightful and, name. And in that, yeah, it is. It is. It's the most an Argentinian name, <laughs> excusing the first name that you can imagine. But um, 
No, there's something that's just uh, drawn to me towards him, and it's completely ineffable, so don't ask me to articulate it, albeit we're on a podcast where I'm expected to articulate my decision. Um, <laughs> and then else? maintaining both my club and country allegiance, I've gone uh, for Jamal Masela. Uh, I, I think Musiala is, a, is, yeah. is brilliant. Again, he's been in a lot of Nine drafts. goals in Bundesliga this season, five assists. Um, you know his scoring output was ridiculous for a midfielder or at least a player who's recognised as a midfielder eight million, in the game did you say yeah, yeah 8 yeah. million and then lastly lastly mm. the one and only Dan James and I, I know oh, a lot lovely. of I know oh, a lot of people man. in non-Welsh circles are sort of flabbergasted when Welsh people sort of big up the praise for, for, for Dan James and particularly when people are sort of theorising or predicting the starting eleven versus American, people are like, well, surely Brennan Johnson's nailed on to that start. That sounds like me. Yeah, <laughs> it does sound like you. Brennan Johnson won't start. I'll tell you now, Dan James is guaranteed to start. Dan James is integral to the way that Wales play. I know a lot of people as well, and also this echoes the conversation I had with Max the other day, that I think, you know, given his sort of ultra-specific, specialised profile that Dan James is kind of the pay, uh, per player in isolation you bring off the bench when the opponents tire yeah. and you know there's space to explore certainly how I view him yeah. as a United and, and I think, and I, think you do, I think most people would view that view him like that in a club context but for Wales he's been absolutely integral from the off and he will be starting from the off on Monday is he going to contribute though yes in an international context his relationship with Kiefer Moore is superb I think most of Kiefer Moore's goals um, come from Dan from, James' well, work as either, exactly it's either from Dan James' direct assist or the pre-assist so can they I, have can an I just, excellent relationship your, your, your starting Wales front three then would be James on the right Bale on the left and Moore through the centre is that your prediction yeah 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 yeah. yeah they're, they're, okay. I think they're, they're nailed on to be the front three and I think you're likelier to see Brandon Johnson coming off the bench and should although I don't see this happening but should Daniel James underwhelm in the opening two fixtures yeah. then maybe you might see Brennan Johnson being introduced for the England game. Max, you really do look flabbergasted by this. You see, look, it's complicated because I totally agree with you. I think Wales are probably going to be most... They, they need Kiefer Moore up top. Mm-hmm. And you can't... Can I just, not, can, sorry, can we just... Jacob, I know you'll be listening to this, mate. Um, can we just take a moment to savour that? Because I've been telling you that Kiefer Moore's uh, been a really great option all year in the fantasy and all you've done is criticise. So, you know, you're on your own now, baby! <laughs> yeah. I mean, a Bournemouth has been quality and... I think he's a really good player. I think Brennan Johnson's a better player than Kiefer Moore, but he's not a better player for Wales. He's not a strike. He's not a better striker. He's not a better target man than yeah. Kiefer Moore. Yeah. And I think the same goes for Dan James. I don't love Dan James at all. And in fact, I think he's a bit rubbish. But um, <laughs> I think for Wales, the speed merchant who can get up the pitch and he can lead counter attacks, that's the only way you are going to score. It's going to be um, counter attacks, set pieces. And um, not just normal set pieces, like corners where the ball ricochets around in the box <laughs> and Ben Davies inadvertently knocks it off his shin. Yeah, um, so can we just remember the first Wales game against Slovakia? <laughs> and it was a bail free <laughs> kick, uh, which was a worldie. And the second game. Some set piece, right? Well, okay, yeah, but bail free <laughs> kick. Russia, three goals from open play. Then let's go back to the last the same, Euros where Bale didn't score a single goal. Bale didn't score a single goal. Ramsey scored from open play. Conor Roberts scored from open play. Kiefer Moore scored the first goal against... Are you the same against, team though, Cleo? Uh, that's, the, that's the question. Well, fundamentally, yes. That's, that, that, that is the interesting thing. But, 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 but are you an aged version? No. Uh, a more experienced <laughs> version. If you think, you know, if you think about it's, the crux of the team, it's like you've got, you've got sort of that... Um, 
sort of the core of experience in the shape of Bale, in the shape mm. of Ramsey, in the shape of Joe Allen, if he's past fit to play on Monday. Ben Davis as well, you'd categorise in, in those terms. And I reckon as well, you'd categorise Danny Ward and Wayne Hennessy in those terms as well, considering the sort of longevity they've had on the international scene, irrespective of their, um, you know, individual number of caps. But I think that that, that, that the team is fairly fairly straightforward in terms of what you'd pick. I think maybe the most contentious pick is Chris Neppen hasn't necessarily been starting too often for Wales yeah. recently, but he is probably in the form of his life at the moment, considering the fact that he's played for almost every game for Bournemouth in the Premier League this season. Bournemouth as well have had a, a huge upturn in form since um, displacing Parker with O'Neill. Mm. And if you tie into sort of the same logic that I applied towards Danny Ward in terms of playing at a high level, playing regularly, then there's a case to be made um, that Mepham starts. Um, you know, you could have, you know, Rodon, uh, Rodon um, Mepham, Ben Davis as the back three, and then you push Ampadu into midfield, and then... I assume that was going to be the case. Well, I'm that's the thing, but then, but, then, but then you'd have to, you know, then it begs the question, if, if Joe Allen's fit, where does Joe Allen fit into he's that equation? There. Well, no, but if he's fit, he's, he's, he's no, he started individual training, there's a likelihood that he will be able... Uh, I, lo- play I, lo- I love I love America the on Monday we, night. We came from a midfield conversation. No, no, I know. Like, I'm oh, going to dictate oh, everything and make it um, into a Welsh context as often as no, I possibly it's great. can. I love it, uh, and it's interesting to get some some insight because uh, you know I have to be completely honest. You, know, I don't follow um, you know the Wales Wales international games as much as you know well, you do, obviously as a fan. So it's interesting to get that view that um, that James is starting ahead of Brennan. He will. I, I, I if I don't know. I don't know what's the sort of. Uh, an intelligent or should I say wise forfeit if if I'm wrong yeah. I would be absolutely astonished if Brent Johnson started against in front of Dan James you heard it, I yes. think I'm 99% sure Dan James starts on Monday against America interesting uh, can I Go on, go on, yeah. Max. Oh, no, I was going to say, if Brennan Johnson starts, I think you should uh, shave your head and bleach it blonde. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Um, let, can I quickly go touch back on the Musiala thing? Before we went, we were, we were with um, Musiala before Jan, Dan James. Um, eight mil, he's been in a lot of my drafts, Musiala. Um, I completely agree, he's a fantastic option. Um, the only thing with him is, is, so long as he starts over Muller in that number 10 role, I imagine that he's going to, but like you say, his stats are fantastic. Sane at nine is an option, but I think Musiala is the more sensible one. You've also got Goretzka at seven. I think if you can, look, if you're looking to shave a mill or you're looking to invest that mill extra, I think he is definitely the one to go for in that Germany. Side. And for the nostalgia merchants, even though there's absolutely no guarantee he'll play, you can go for Mario Goethe. Uh, oh my God, yeah, I can't believe he's been picked for the tournament. That's insane. Um, other expensive picks, Bruno at nine and a half and Bernardo at nine mil are swerves for me. I know we were mucking around about Bruno's penalty um, winning potential earlier on, um, but given Portugal's focus on Ronaldo as their catalyst, th- their numbers just don't add up in the same way. Are we going um, to delve into that interview a little bit? Or? Well, you know, Later. <laughs> as, as a Manchester United fan, stock answer, I want him gone. Like, yeah, he needs to go. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, don't get me wrong, he did fantastic stuff for us in the past when he was first here. It was a mistake to bring him back. And uh, he, all he's doing at the moment is just wasting money. Can, can I, excusing perhaps the yeah. lack of direct relevance to this podcast, so maybe if you can indulge me when I Go deviate on. off track for a few moments, but irrespective of him calling out individuals, I'm thinking Gary mm-hmm. Neville, I'm thinking even Eric Ten Hag, I'm thinking... Rooney. I'm thinking Rooney. Yeah. Do you think the sentiments, the broader sentiments in terms of the culture of the club... Yes. The hierarchy of the club yeah. ring true. And I, I'm not for one second inferring that it was perhaps the 
proper setting or the even you know the most um, effective way to go about articulating those views. But I think a lot of the sentiments he expressed are sentiments that have been long-held views by, you know, United But fans. this is the frustration, yeah. right? Because it, it sort of kind of feels like because he went too far, because he criticised the managerial setup, who were actually clearly being a force for good at the moment, because he criticised some of the younger players, uh, you know, um, and because it just really looks like he's thrown his toys out of the pram from day one in August, you know, and, and, you know, since he wasn't able to get the move out of the club. Sadly, it feels like those views and feelings that he's expressed that United fans have been trying to express as well have to a certain extent been delegitimised by the fact that um, he has also um, prefaced it with all of this other stuff which is completely unhelpful for the club so whilst I do agree with uh, a lot of the sentiments that he did express because it's come through the wrong channels because it's come alongside you know a torrent of um, uh, sadly abuse which um, sort of renders him a big man child you know people kind of look at him and go this complete emotional immaturity there even though he's 37 years old oh, it's deep rooted narcissism yeah, yeah and it's frustrating because you know you, you, you'd want him to be able to express that view without the other stuff um, so yes I do agree with a, a large portion of it however um, it almost feels reductionist to those um, th those th that stance basically and also none of it's new like it was like that when he came to the club and everyone knew it was like that when he yeah. came into the club no one thought that United are under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer were this beacon of a positively run club with a good atmosphere in the dressing room with a board doing sensible things because if they were doing sensible things Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wouldn't have been in charge for three and a half years mm -hmm. and they wouldn't have signed Ronaldo. I, I, just to make it sort of back on track in terms of the focus of this podcast the only things I found particularly interesting in response to Max's point was his comments in terms of the lack of progress in terms of technology, infrastructure, the, yeah. the staff personnel was the same. He was expecting sort of whole-scale changes comparative to the experiences he had at Real Madrid and, versus, uh, and Juventus. Yeah. But I recently watched the Luis Figo documentary on um, Netflix, and a lot of that, um, a lot of the focus on that was talking about sort of the disruptions on Portugal, or perhaps not necessarily on Portugal per se, but the disruptions that Figo had to endure while on international duty with Porto, uh, with Portugal at the Euros when the whole Barcelona Real Madrid transfer was in transition and sure. the whole saga surrounding that. So I'm just wondering, you know, the impact that will have on, on Portugal, Portugal because yeah. I was thinking, I know if I'm not mistaken, if Portugal top their group, they fall on the lesser kind side of the draw on paper mm -hmm. um, in the knockout stages. But I genuinely prior to the whole Ronaldo fiasco, I did fancy Portugal quite a well, bit. Well, it's, it's interesting, and really, because it feels like they are quite unfancied at the moment. But you look at their team on paper, like you say, with Cancelo, Diaz, Mendes at the back, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, you know, in the midfield, you've got Ronaldo, you've got Jota, um, the, you know, he's not going to be there now, but you've got Rafael Liao. You know, there's some amazing players there, and, and you're right, people aren't really talking about them as a particularly strong prospect. And I think that's because in recent times, they've had a few dodgy sort of kind of like, you know, they, they, they've wavered basically. Well, yeah, they got through. not really wavered. Well, they got through 
in the last well, they, they won the Euros. But yeah, yeah, but they got through with the skin of their teeth in the, in the yeah. last World Cup and also in the Euros, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so. they, they, they've had, they've been really even even in the, even when they won the Euros, they were strangely sketchy in the groups, and yeah. they were sketchy in 2018 in Russia. And they, it, it's odd, Portugal. Sometimes it feels like they play poorly, but they get the results, and maybe that's the mark yeah. of a good team. Uh, with all respect to Edda, if you're relying on Edda to win you <laughs> a major tournament, then it's kind of a damning indictment yeah, on well. the uh, performances of other. Um, you know, keynote players within the squad, but yeah, let, yeah. Let, yeah. Let, let's get just because I know we're running out of time a little bit. Let's get back onto the okay. to, just the rest of the midfielders, and then we'll, we'll we'll move on towards the strikers, and we can talk a little bit more about Ronaldo then if you want to as well. Um, second most selected player in the game right now, you guys might be surprised to learn, is Federico Valverde for Uruguay at eight point five million. I'm not that surprised because he's been banging form well, in terms of his goals for Real Madrid. And Ancelotti, has. isn't Ancelotti said that he would retire or something? So outlandish like that if Valverde doesn't reach 10 goals this season yeah I, I, I think so I and mean, I it, think he's on what 6 or 7 already in the he's, league he's been brilliant recently the only thing is with Uruguay he's only scored 4 times for them um, in his international career he's also played a little bit deeper for Uruguay than he is when he's played for Real Madrid Ancelotti likes to use him as sort of an, as an, exor- an auxiliary right winger uh, and Uruguay with the likes of Suarez Cavani Nunez he, he doesn't sort of, kind of like get that leeway really um, so it'll be interesting to see whether he does well or not has he entered your thoughts then Cleon in terms of no, I didn't even think about him before you mentioned that, but then, you know. <laughs> and it sparked that interest. Well, that's the thing. I was like, you know, you, you preface it with he's only scored four goals for Uruguay, but I, I'm not sure the figures off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure he hadn't scored many goals for Real Madrid before this season. Yeah. Um, well, everyone talks about Messi, but he's not even scored four goals for Uruguay. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> um, Foden, 8.5 million, um, never turned up for England. Will this be his tournament? No. I don't pick your start. No, really, you don't. Okay, I, think I don't Foden think will Southgate start. will start him. I think I think Foden is great, but I think Sterling. I don't think Sterling should start, but Southgate will start Sterling. He's been reliable. He's always shown faith in the people who've been good for him. Mm-hmm. And there's no way Saka cannot start, both in terms of what he's done for England, what he's done for Arsenal this year. So Foden will be coming off the bench, probably when we play badly and we've not scored a goal. Foden will come on. He'll be really meh. And then they'll bring on Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish will do a few dribbles, but won't do that much. But it'll be exciting. Then everyone will get excited about Grealish. And I just, I've never seen. You think Foden it'll be a carbon copy of 2020? 2020? Can I ask? Does 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 Mason Mount start in your opinion? Uh, for me, he he, he has to. Yeah. He will. He me, especially if we're playing four at the back. Um, I think that Mount has to start if we play four at the back. If we play three at the back, um, two wing backs, and have two midfielders, I think he'll go Bellingham and Rice, and then I don't think there's any room for him. So I think I think he'll go four at the back and make room. Um, Foden, I think for me will start. I think that he's played himself into contention. I don't think he can't not. Um, but I do understand your point because Southgate did uh, gloss over him last year at the Euros. So I think it's interesting. Um, Anthony at eight point five for me overpriced. Uh, Brazil midfield options have all been pushed into attack and I feel like if you're going to go down the Brazil route that's where you've got to focus but of course with the amount of attacking options it's a little bit tricky Um, the one that I want to mention particularly on behalf of Jacob who has basically um, really given me an insight on him and I think could be a real shout Steven Bergwijn at 7 million you have him do you? okay so he's going to be the starting striker alongside Memphis Depay and he's super cheap yeah he's 7 million Netherlands have got an easy group, as I mentioned before. <laughs> I really like Bergwijn. I can't believe Tottenham sold him. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean... I, I, I think he was the perfect player to be the backup to Kane. Um, he could kind of... He did what the Charlton did before the Charleston kept turned up. Mm-hmm. And it just really... It got me. I like him as a player. Do you think he wasn't given enough of a chance then at Spurs? Um, I don't, I don't think he needed more of a chance. I think he was there doing a job. He was being the backup to Kane, who yeah. also played other forward positions. And I would never be... Like, if Tottenham had Bergwijn up front when Kane was injured... I think Tottenham would still be really good and I don't think it would be a problem for them and he'd do just as good a job as Richarlison at doing that role. Yeah. So I really like him. I don't know what he's done for Ajax but presumably it's been good because he's he, he, He's been scoring for the Dutch. Um, my um, my pick of the tournament, my rogue pick of the tournament at 6 million, um, who I think will go on to have a really good tournament, he's been doing particularly brilliantly for his international side Is recently. No, it's Andreas Skobolsen, the Danish forward who uh, he plays as part of the front three. He's a midfielder uh, on the game, six mil. Uh, he's a young player. Uh, he's um, Club Bruges. Um, uh, came from Copenhagen. Uh, he's been scoring... The Champions of... League world beaters, Club yeah. Bruges. <laughs> he's been scoring a lot of goals. Um, I think Scott Olsen is, is an absolute guarantee in my team. Um, and he is one of those little gems who I, I'm hoping and I think could, could do really well. I hope you recognise Finn by demonstrating superior knowledge here. You're just shaping the future composition of my team and Max's team and now we're literally going to be scoring the same points because our teams will be completely identical well you know I'm I'm glad to be influencing to a certain extent but I don't want to influence that much Um, Hector Herrera I think is an option at 4.5 for Mexico I did think I was surprised at how cheap he was I mean We've, we've spoken or we've briefly touched upon that their group isn't hugely sort of advantageous on paper. No. But, yeah, stalwart a of the five. Mexican team, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and an individual capable of producing gold contributions. Yeah. Um, I think Pulisic, 7.5, is another one, potentially. Nope. Uh, and um, Moises Caicedo at 5.5, the Brighton midfielder who plays for Ecuador in that opening in game against Qatar, could be great. I haven't got the money for him at the moment. I've gone for Gonzalo Plata. Well, I think in... Oh. Sorry, you go, Max. I'm, I'm asking a separate question, so... Well, I was going to say, I think in, in a few years' time, we'd be talking about Moises Caicedo as either... The best Chelsea player. Well, well, I was going to say, as one of the <laughs> members, you know, a member of one of the top six. Um, yeah. Christian Pulisic. I found it really interesting, actually. I saw some comments from him this morning, I read on my timeline, and he was saying he was in the great places, in great form, etc., etc. He's raring to go for, the, for mm. America, and I was like, well, this is completely disingenuous to be watches Chelsea. <laughs> Sure, it's so profoundly frustrating because I don't know if you two will recall, I don't know if listeners will recall, that when football went behind closed doors uh, for the first time during the pandemic, mm-hmm. Pulisic was by far our best he, player. He was excellent, By far. And probably at the time, top five Premier League players. He was ridiculously good, ridiculously good. I don't remember if... I, I, no, sorry, but I don't know if people will recall this game because it wasn't a hugely significant game, but we lost 5-3 to, at Liverpool to Anfield after they won the league. Sure. Um, after Liverpool won the we league, that is. We being Chelsea. We and... being Chelsea, yeah, and then being <laughs> Liverpool. Not and being me. <laughs> Pulisic cuts through about three or four Liverpool players, obviously members of a title-winning squad with a ridiculously high number, and then sort of lays off Tammy Abraham to score... Um, I think it was either our second or third goal that night and he was just unplayable but since then since then he's been a shadow of his former self and but he's another prospect for the international side isn't he Leon I mean he's I think it's different though because there's such there's such a, sort of a burden expectation I, I mean I so I write for this um, 
Welsh fanzine called International Wales, and when I was sort of profiling America, I I mentioned that Pulisic assumes a similar yeah. talismanic responsibility to Gareth Bale in the sense that Gareth Bale is the worldwide face of Cymru just in the same way that for American football or soccer, Christian Pulisic is the talismanic face of, Mm -hmm. you know, football in America. But the distinguishing sort of disparity is that Bale has countlessly performed on the biggest occasions. I mean, you know, it was... Is this all in in lieu of the Wales-USA game? It is, but it was absolutely... (laughs) the biggest game of the tournament. But it was absolutely Mm. ridiculous. I wasn't watching... I wasn't watching um, LAFC versus Philadelphia Union. I was actually following it on Flash Score. And when... (laughs) And when the big chance notification came up and it turned into 3-3... Uh, between Philadelphia and LAFC. I didn't even have to doubt who scored that goal in the 128th minute to ensure that the game would go to penalties. You know, and this, I think this is the fundamental difference. There's huge, huge pressure on Pulisic. And Pulisic, in the context of that national team, has never performed on the same level that, one, Bale has in an international context, and two, Bale has has done at a club context. I just genuinely don't think well given the difficulties that Pulisic has endured over the last 18 months at club level that he'll be able to replicate the form well, that I mentioned earlier look well they're obviously in different positions in the fantasy game however this does move us on quite nicely to the strikers my first question is in which case Gareth Bale is he in your team he's, he's actually not <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be horrendous. You're quickly most back to midfielders. Oh, sorry. I've got, I've, I've got Pedri. Oh, you went for Pedri. And Pedri's gonna be great. Really? He's like the only like properly attacking, like progressive. Five millions—a lot of money. Yeah, but he can run with the ball. He yeah. can score. He can cross. He's gonna be integral to the way Spain plays. Spain are gonna keep seventy percent of the ball, and then someone's gonna do something magical, and it's gonna be Pedri. It's gonna be Pedri or Patty. And Fatty's been injured for the last two, two years. years yeah. I don't know if he's reliable. And I think Pedri's going to break out this tournament and prove that he is one of the best players in the world. It's the stage to do it. And I think with that key passes metric, it could be a good chat. The last one I want to touch on really quickly before we go on to the forwards, because I've forgotten one as well. One that I don't have in my team and one that I wouldn't put in there is Angel Di Maria at 8.5 million. I think that he is overpriced and he's not necessarily going to play. Right, Leon, you don't have Bale in your starting lineup. Do you have a leg to stand on? Who are, you, are you really Welsh? T- tell me who your three, three attackers are. Yes, I am really Welsh yeah. because one, I've got Kiefer Moore. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> but he's currently not starting, but heeding the advice that you gave earlier in sure. terms of prioritising people who play earlier, he's likely to start for me. Six mil, okay, so that frees up funds for two big attacking assets left. And right? can you guess those two big attacking well, I'll, assets? I'll go Mbappe. No, actually, no. Okay, I'll go for Harry Kane. No. Karim Benzema. No. Lionel Messi. <laughs> yes. Okay. Messi's in. Yes. Why? Because he's Messi. <laughs> <laughs> and people have been sort of characterising this World Cup as possibly his greatest chance at winning it. I know, you know... Well, Argentina do have the, the best team and they've had in a long while. And I know Argentina obviously finished runners-up in yeah. 2014. But, um, you know, this does seem, if you are... A particularly sort of poetic, romantic individual, then this perhaps might be the last hurrah for Messi, and yeah. you know the stars will align, and this will be the time <laughs> that he wins the World Cup for Argentina. But alongside him, um, I've gone for Vinicius Junior. 
Interesting. So you've really you, you've you, you've not really gone for a lot of big forwards then in terms of like the actual well not not big forwards big strikers. You've gone for more forwards. Keeper Moore is a big striker. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say Keeper Moore yeah. is a big striker. But that's interesting. I think that um, the Brazilian one is really interesting because Vinicius and Neymar are both ten point five mil. For me, they would be attractive in the midfield. As the strikers, I'm really struggling to find a way to get them into the team simply because there are other people who I think are potentially slightly more likely as like sheer goal scorers to get on the score sheet more often why, why have you gone for Vinicius over Neymar well because I've seen he's been widely tipped for the golden boot interesting I mean he's scoring, on, he's scoring a lot of people goals people are like Father yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Vinny is scoring a lot of goals right now and I think he is a good pick um, but they, yeah, obviously the same price as Neymar. And uh, Neymar is the talisman. How, how they perform together will be interesting to see. But I think he's a, I think he is a good pick for this junior. I, I think my front line is the perfect front line. Go on, mate. Tell uh, us who so I'm going to do it out for the order then because there's going to be the one pick that Clayton's going to be at to. Uh, Messi, because... Messi, so, the best player in the world. Spoiler, we've all got Messi. Yes, obviously. Everyone has <laughs> Messi. If you've not got Messi, you're doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> then uh, Latorvo Martinez uh, yeah great keeping pick keeping the wow. uh, Argentinian theme going two Argentinian strikers yeah they have a good group uh, I'm just gonna get up they've got uh, South Korea Mexico Poland Saudi Arabia yes Saudi Arabia yes uh, even better yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is that is a big. I mean, don't get me wrong. If it comes out trumps, it's brilliant. But it is a, it's a, it's a you're putting all your chips on Argentina. Yeah, but uh, both my Argentinians are the attacking players, and that's where they are good. They're going to come up trumps, and then my third one, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I, Ronaldo actually was in on my pre one of my previous drafts. It just feels like he will get goals. Uh, I mean, he will because. Cristiano Ronaldo scores goals. He makes everyone around him worse. Yeah. But he gets goals. Yes. For one <laughs> second, I thought you were going to say he makes everyone around him better. And I was like, we've been watching football for the last 18 minutes. He's, he's gonna. He is Portugal's talisman. They have a good group. Um, yeah. They are going to score goals. They might struggle against Uruguay, but I think in the interview with Ronaldo. I think it was well placed intentionally to boost Portugal and boost Ronaldo for the World Cup. Well, I'm not sure about he is that. Making a point. He's making He's he's got Manchester United teammates in there who won't have reacted particularly brilliantly to that, surely. Um, yes, but that's irrelevant because uh, it's Portugal and no one cares about Man United. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but that's the thing. I was I was getting back to sort of the comparison between Figo situation. Yeah. And it's not the same. Memory memory fails me. I can't remember particularly the year uh, the tournament, but. You know, um, Santos, the uh, Portuguese coach, has already prohibited questions specifically concerning the interview. I think it's he's, he's bored of yeah, it. I agree. You know, Bruno Fernandes had to qualify the nature. I don't know if you saw the clip, but there was a clip that emerged in the in the sort it, of the. It looked like Ronaldo had given he'd given Ronaldo a frosty reception. Yeah, and Ronaldo and then, had been taken away. And then he it? clarified. Yeah. I don't know which media outlet had access to the audio as well as the footage yeah. but in the audio apparently it was them making a joke or something and it wasn't anything to do with the animosity sort of potentially induced by that interview and you know you think of Diego Dallo as well and Varane as well I, I know Varane's not Portuguese but Varane has come out publicly during sort of the France um, media conferences and said that it's not ideal it's a, it's a distraction in my opinion it's, it's a huge it's distraction a I don't think it's yeah, a boost. boost. I don't mean, no. understand how you but, can see it's a boost. But, how, do you, sorry, how do you think it's a boost then, Max? Uh, because Ronaldo is an ego player. He is the centre of attention. He is boosting it. The reason he did that interview before the World Cup is like, I'm not going to play for Man United 
ever again. Again, release this before the World Cup. I'm going to have an insane World Cup. I'm going to get five goals. I don't think Portugal are going to get four. Uh, I don't know how far they're going to get. I don't know what the group's like. Uh, the qualification like. I think they're going to win the group. Yeah. Uruguay um, go on a career. I mean, it's, it's winnable. Yeah. I, I think Uruguay will challenge them, but I think... Portugal will win that game and it will be a Ronaldo goal that will win them that game. Mm-hmm. He's going to get at least four goals in the group stage. Um, so for now, he's in my team. It was like him versus Kane. I really wasn't sure. Well, I, I yeah, Kane was in my draft until uh, earlier on today as well. I'm too English to back Kane because <laughs> I don't trust that we will actually be good. I just think the penalty potential with Kane is really good. So I've currently got Phil Foden sitting in my squad and I put Foden in there in lieu of having Kane. Um, but I, I, I ended up, I've downgraded one of my forward options. And the reason why I've done it is because um, uh, I think Vinny and um, Neymar will both play really well. But I think the central striker is going to be Richarlison. And I think Richarlison at 7.5 mil is a potentially a really good option. So who have you got? So Richarlison's one of my picks. Uh, it's worth mentioning uh, another one that's been in my mind because Jacob obviously did with his Dutch connections. He said that Cody Gakpo um, at 7 million could be a really good shout. I've not gone for him. As a Welshman, I can attest to that. I witnessed it. Yeah. <laughs> Gakpo playing Gakpo's well against qualities. Yeah, he did. Um, I also have gone for Messi because I do think that it is going to be his tournament. Um, I have had Ronaldo in. He's not there currently. The player that is is Karim Benzema. Benzema is on penalties for France. Um, he's been playing fantastically for them. He's obviously the Ballon d'Or winner this year. I think um, it's a little bit of a no-brainer to back him. In terms of strikers that I would um, avoid, uh, by the way, I think Lautaro Martinez is a terrific pick. I think he's a really, really I clever. can't believe you guys have um, got him. I think that I was... I'm, I am still um, I'm the about Martinez or Messi that's the reason goals. Why, that's the reason why I haven't gone for him 21 goals for Argentina in 40 appearances we've also seen Argentinian strikers in the past like Higuain and Aguero come in with form like that and not do well potentially because the focus is around Messi and that's the reason why this I haven't gone a, for him so far this is a terrible point but the Tom Martinez isn't Higuain or whoever else you mentioned I was listening Sergio Aguero uh, but um, <laughs> I think they play really well together and I think Messi will have a lot of assists for Martinez I think Martinez will play further forward okay. Messi will play in behind him he will set head but like Martinez has that kind of thing he's a proper poacher really mm. who can play a bit but he's a poacher who can play a bit he's properly a poacher he can pass he can be physical but at the end of the day, he's in there to get in the box and stick a toe in and get a, a ball on the goal. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I, I think I think it's I think it's a good shout. Lewandowski is one I wouldn't go for. Ten million overpriced for me for Poland. I think Mitrovic could be a shout at seven mil, and I think Romelu Lukaku at nine point five could end up surprising a few people. Yeah. <coughs> in terms of the really lo- low owned, uh, wait, <laughs> of course, sorry, I really complete. I thought that was a genuine cop. No, 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 no. Have you considered Lukaku? No, not at all. <laughs> Goodness me. Um, Luis Suarez is only owned by 1.5% of the game. Um, and I think that, you know, we've seen how well he performs in international tournaments. He's 75 And just like Bale, didn't he score a crucial goal for Nacional to win them? He did. The he did. equivalent uh, Uruguayan league. Yeah, yeah, so. he did. I think he's off now. He's, he's left them, um, Nacional, uh, but he did really well for them whilst he was there. Um, so, yeah, I think th- this is the thing. We, we, there are so many options for the strikers. We haven't even talked about Kylian Mbappe. He's 11.5 mil. He's the most expensive player in the game. Um, you know, he, he does, again, he's, he's the second most owned striker there. He's 37% behind Le- Messi on 59%. You know, obviously with his all Qatari connections with PSG as well, both him um, <laughs> and Messi and Neymar, the three most 
most owned strikers in the game. You know, Mbappe, it feels like, is another one who's teed up to have a really good tournament. Are the reasons, he, are the reasons why the pair of you haven't gone for him because he is so expensive? Uh, no, I don't think France are going to do that well. Yeah, for me, France are going to be underwhelming as, as well, uh, I think. I think, firstly, Benzema is a better choice than uh, Mbappe. Mbappe. If you're going French, go Benzema. I mean, I guess that depends on what his relationship with France is. He obviously had that period where he didn't play for them for like four or five years. Yeah. Was that under the shops as well? Yeah, that was yes. under the shops, yeah. 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 So maybe that complicates it, but I think Benzema is a better all-round for whatever Benzema is just a ridiculous player. He is proof of the Ronaldo makes everyone around him worse because... When it was Benzema playing with Ronaldo, I was like, oh, he's in the top 10 strikers in the world. As soon as Ronaldo left, he's like, oh, he's in the top three strikers in the world. And now it's like, he yes, is the he's better than Ronaldo. Yeah. I mean, frankly, for me, if I was going to choose French, uh, I'd have to go for Olivier Giroud. Yeah. It's that simple. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad shout. I don't know how Josie, much Giroud Josie, Josie. I am in love with the bloke. He's um, brilliant. He's been in phenomenal form for AC Milan, scored numerous crucial goals for Milan not least not least the brace against Inter Milan last season so yeah if I was to do chumps I mean you know he's good looking ignore Mbappe ignore Benzema ignore Griezmann ignore (laughs) Nkuku you go for Olivier Giroud every day of the week Giroud I mean I love Giroud I think he's a brilliant player I'd have loved to have had him at Manchester United and he's probably one of the biggest regrets not having a striker there I would have loved to have had him yeah (laughs) don't we all Um, right I think that probably does us really chaps in terms of the, the player picks um, I, I'm intrigued to see what your final teams do look like come Sunday of course we'll probably be all having more tinkering in the next 48 hours before the deadline we will tweet out at Drunken Transfer um, all three of our teams alongside um, Jacobs as well um, when uh, the game deadline actually passes um, but before we finish up gents I want to hear most underwhelming team at this World Cup is going to be Max France Leon England Ooh. <laughs> Can I change my answer to Wales? <laughs> um, I, I, I was also going to go with France. I think France will underwhelm. Most overwhelming team is going to be... Denmark. <sighs> ah, be patriotic, Wales. Wales, yeah. I'm going to go Denmark as well. I think Denmark are going to win the group. I think France is going to come second. I thought um, you'd say win the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be something. And who is going to win the World Cup? I've not thought about this at all. Brazil. Brazil. Argentina. Um, I do think it'd be one of the two South American sides, though. I it think could be an Argentina-Brazil semi-final. It could be the real final. Yeah. And it could be juicy. Well, for, for, for me, I think that um, a South American side hasn't won a World Cup since 2002. Uh, this year, um, I think, could not only be the year simply because Argentina's and Brazil's squad, I think, are in such brilliant shape in terms of the overall balance of their teams, but I also think in terms of dealing with the heat as well. Some of these European sides are not going to be able to cope with it, I think, as well as these guys are. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to be used to the sort of searing heat that we'll get in Qatar, but they're going to be more used to it. They'll be more used to the humidity than... Um, some of these European players are. I don't know. That, 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 that's the reason why I think it will be a South American side. And if not Argentina, Brazil. This is me being really dumb. But from looking at the stadiums, like lots of them have got rooms. And if they have rooms, surely they're going to have the rooms closed and they're going to be air-conditioned? Well, no, the, the, yeah, very, uh, very... And then, like, it's not like they're playing out in 40 degrees heat <laughs> on, like, a long grass field or, like, in the sand. It's not sand football. <laughs> Although I would say that Rob Page said that... Um, 
prior to actually arriving with the squad for this tournament that Ozzy him and a delegation from the Air Football Association of Wales had visited Qatar and they were waxing lyrical about the air conditioning qualities mm. of the stadiums but not in the context of the players right. and even not in the context of supporters who were placed in sort of the upper echelons of the stadiums. There was only benefiting a sort of a specific cohort of um, personnel attending the games. And I think it also is contingent on what time the game starts. So, for example, I saw Rob Dorsett from Sky Sports saying earlier that England's game against Iran, it will start just after sunset. Yes. So the heat shouldn't be too sort of overpowering or shouldn't be too mm. much of a detriment for either team. Um, but I can't remember what time Wales Iran starts Seven local o'clock. time. Yeah, I but don't know in, what time it is locally. Yeah. But over here it starts at 10 o'clock in the morning. So presumably that would mean that oh would be, Wales around sorry yeah Wales around Wales around would be playing at ten o'clock yeah. local time uh, as in sorry ten o'clock time here I don't know what time that is local time but presumably that will mm. still be when the heat and the sun is out in full force yeah so I mean it's a it's a valid point um, I think I think conditions are going to be really interesting I think it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out right that's it from us Max you want one more point I have I'm very curious we've barely mentioned Spain or Germany like. I've picked a Spanish player in Pedri, but I don't think anyone's picked a German player. We have Musiala, and, but... Uh, Musiala. And, like, Spain and Germany as potentially the two best European picks to win it. Do you think they could do it? Or do you think they're just dirt of enough? Because they're both, like, going for a rebuild, messy I periods, think, but they have make, unbelievable quality. I think you make a good point. I think, for me, um, I view them both very much in the same way, slightly faded and jaded at the moment. Um, that's how they were, um, that's how the Germans have been for the last two international tournaments. I think they're getting better. I don't think the defence is still what it needs to be. They also don't have a central striker. Um, well, I was going to say, for any rogue or irrational betters out there, Kai Havertz to be Germany's top scorer at their World Cup would be my little, yeah, <laughs> my little suggestion. No, he's not, he's injured. He's not, he's uh, not at the tournament. Gutted. They've got no hope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and obviously in the same group together, Group E. So yeah, no, um, that is an interesting one to touch upon. Right, we are going to finish because we've run terribly over time. But you know what? I hope everyone's going to be enjoying this long 18-minute podcast. Um, and I hope I hope that you have got um, sufficient, uh, significant tips for who to pick um, in your World Cup fantasy team. You'll be hearing from uh, me again, certainly, on Thursday the 24th of November. That's the evening that the match day finishes. Max, Cleon, we'll have to have you on again at some point before the World Cup finishes to see how well we're all doing um, and see if any of our tips are coming true. As long as I'm winning, yeah, of course. You're, you're coming back on, yeah. Diochavau. <laughs> Diochavau, yeah. Thanks very much for joining, chaps, and we'll see you again. Bye-bye.